We're starting a brand new series we're very excited about. Every Easter, we, uh, we give out a request form to you on Easter, and we ask, what are topics that you would like to hear a message on? What, what are some areas you're going through, some crisis maybe you're facing, situations you're dealing with that you would like for us to just bring a message on that maybe can help you? And we call it, you asked for it, because you did. And the number one request we got, I'm going to deal with today, was how do I let it go? How do I let it go, Pastor? How do I let go of this anger? How do I let go of this unforgiveness? How do I let go of this habit, this addiction? How do I really let it go? And so get your notes out today, and we're going to go right into this message today. And, and I know that, that God's going to help some of you, and we're, we're really going to watch God bring some freedom uh, in this room today. All right? Let's go right to our text in Hebrews chapter 12. Powerful, powerful scripture that, that God wants to come and make alive, and you, you'll see it right there in your notes. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Say everything. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And another word there is beset. And the original word there means to ambush. And how many's got some things in your life that, man, I'm doing good for like 20 days and then bam. Come on, somebody, anybody in here like, you know, I didn't cuss nobody out for 30 days, you know, and, and then the wrong person showed up at Walmart. You know what I mean? Come on. I'm preaching to the right church. Yes, I am. All right. And I thought I had forgiven them till we pulled up at the same McDonald's and all that stuff. You know, it's an ambush. And he said to lay aside, to throw away these weights, these things that I need to let go of that continually ambush me and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked for us. And he talks about here that there's heroes of faith, the faith heroes that have gone on before us. And he says, they're like these cheerleaders in the stands and they're cheering for you and I today to finish that race. Don't just start, but make it to the finish line. It's worth it. But they see that every one of us, we have these hangups. We've got these struggles. We've got these conflicts. We, we've got these issues that keep weighing us down and we don't know how to let go of and while they're cheering to go on, we're over here struggling with these things that, that we need to let go of. And, and then he goes on in the scriptures to follow. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. How, how do I do that? I'm going to answer that today. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Watch this. Who both began and finished this race that we're in. It's not a different race. It's the same race you and I are running. He was perfect God, but he became perfect man that he ran this race, the exact race of life that you and I are running today. He dealt with the exact same issues, same temptations, same opposition, same hurt, same rejections, this same race that we're in. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's run the same race we've run. Now study how he did it. How did he run this race? Because the Bible said he walked the same earth you and I walked and he sinned not once. So I think we have something to learn from him. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He knew where his finish line was at at all times. That exhilarating finish and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Many things came, the cross, the shame, whatever. And now he is there, where? 
in the place of honor right alongside God. He won. He finished his race. When you find yourself weak in your faith, anybody besides your pastor finds himself there? When you find yourself weak in your faith, go over his story again. And some of you need to take these notes I'm going to give you today and stick them on your refrigerator and read them every day for the rest of this year. And God's going to help you let go of some stuff. Amen. Read his story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. And so I want to talk to you today on how did he do this? Because you see, as your pastor, I mean, I'm told often by other pastors, man, don't be so transparent. You know, don't, don't let your people see all your frailties and your weaknesses. But I just want to go ahead and let you know that I, I kind of walk the same world you do. And I deal with the same issues that you deal with. And I've walked out on my back porch many times, you know, especially Mondays. You know, Mondays are a bad day for pastors. You know, it's like we think of everything we could have said different. You've emptied your soul spiritually in two services and then grow track. And, and, and then we've got small groups at times. And, and man, Monday morning, you woke up and spiritually you're drained and every demon in hell is talking to you. I just want to tell you that, you know. And so every Monday, most pastors resign, and then we get recalled on Tuesday morning, you know what I mean? And we come back and do it again. And Tuesdays is our favorite day, you know, because we get back in the, on the ship and on the train. But I'm just telling you that all of us go through these things, and, and we've got to come and understand that we've got to go back and study the story of Jesus over and over again and see how he did it. How did he let go of all that he went through in the abuse, the rejection, the denial, the false accusations, the illegally tried seven times, a, a crucifixion? How did he let go of all of that in order to finish the race and forgive us so that we could have eternal life? And so I want to show you today, we find the answer on the cross. Jesus made seven statements while he was on the cross. And those seven statements teach us the story of what Jesus was trying to show us through his experience of how to let it go. And so in his darkest hour, in his most difficult time of his life, in his deepest level of pain, Jesus taught us a life-changing lesson on how to let it go. He made seven statements on the cross. Here they are. Number one, if you're going to let things go in your life that the enemy's using to distract you, to detour you, and to destroy you, the first thing you've got to do that Jesus taught us is forgive everyone who has deeply hurt you. Now, we don't like that one right off, because I don't know about you, but personally, if I had written the Bible, instead of saying, turn the other cheek, I would have said, punch them out. <laughs> Come on, how many besides me wish some time in your journey that Jesus had not said, forgive 70 times seven, turn the other cheek. You wish there was a scripture in there somewhere that said on certain circumstances, knock the dude out. <laughs> Rest of you alive. All right. But he said, you got to forgive those who not only have hurt you, but who have deeply hurt you. Because you see, if we were to ask today, how many of us have felt like quitting sometimes, we would all raise our hand. But I can tell you statistics are proven that 90% of the issues that we have with forgiveness is in relationships. 
And it's not with strangers, it's with close acquaintances because we don't expect it to come from them. And oftentimes it's family, the people closest to us. And Jesus says that you've got to forgive those who have deeply hurt you. He's endured the beatings. He's endured the scourging, the crown of thorns. He's now nailed to a cross. Watch this now. And he's dropped into a hole. And there was an intention in that because when they hung a person on the cross, they usually tied them, but they nailed Jesus to the cross. And he's hanging there, but the crucifixion was not to be an immediate death. It was to be a slow, painful death. And it was to suffocate the person on the cross. And when they dropped him in that hole, it was to dislocate the shoulders and dislocate and tear the tendons so that the person could not pull themselves up because Jesus' body was hung intentionally in a sag. He was not stretched out. He was in a sag position so that his lungs would collapse and he would suffocate and die a slow death. And to breathe, he would have to push up on his legs because he could not pull because his shoulders were torn and out of function and out of socket. His back has been ripped to shreds and it was intentional so that his spine would be bare against a thorny wooden cross and to push means splinters and, and he's there and he's got to breathe and to breathe. He pushes with all he's got and the very first words out of the mouth of Jesus on the cross was Father Forgive them. Forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. They knew very well what they were doing. The reason Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, they didn't know what they were doing to themselves. And the very first thing in the lesson of life and letting go Jesus said they have no clue what they're doing to their self, Father. They have no idea what they're doing. And how many's found out hurt people hurt people? Yes. And Jesus did not see us as his enemy. He saw us as a victim of his enemy. And even in his agony and in his death, he looked at us not as the one who had hurt him. He looked at himself as the one who could redeem the one who had hurt him, that he that knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness and become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that he bore our sins in his body on the cross. And he did that by forgiving us, me and you, who so deeply offended and hurt him. And if you're gonna let go of issues in life, you gotta learn how to forgive. You see, you will not be able to run this race with unforgiveness and resentment in your heart. You know what unforgiveness is? Unfulfilled revenge. I haven't got even yet. You know what many of us are like? We're running around with a 200 pound vest on us. We're carrying around this 200 pounds of weight every day of unforgiveness, bitterness, anger. Somebody hurt me. I hadn't got even yet. And we wake up in the morning and we're already tired. We're wore out. Because we got this weight of unforgiveness on our heart. And it's not just unforgiveness. It's a tactical belt. We got ammo. Oh, we got some ammo. We got 30 round, 45 round clips just in case some of their friends show up. You know what I'm saying? 
I ain't getting caught off guard. I mean, and then and, and if I run out of those, I got some handgun stuff, and, and we got some clips, man. We are ready, and if I can't find you in the daytime, I'll get you in the night. But I'm going to get even. I'm glad you're laughing, but I'm talking where we live. And we're consumed by offenses. We're carrying this weight. And then we want to know why we're not going anywhere in life. Because you got to forgive those who have hurt you the most. If you're going to win this race in life. It was so important to Jesus that he put it in the lesson that he taught us on how to pray. That he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And then he puts in here, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness. And if you're going to let it go, you've got to forgive those who have deeply, deeply hurt you. Let me say this to you. When you do that, some of the people closest to you are going to get mad at you for forgiving them for hurting you. Because you're supposed to still be angry about it. And you're going to get ridiculed. I have people mad at me for forgiving people that hurt me. Didn't hurt them, but they're mad at me because I've learned the secret of forgiveness. Because I've needed it. Dr. Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, in Korea, he was preaching at a conference one time. And he put it like this. He, He said... Every day, every day, and his accent, every day, every day, I pray so many people. I pray God help me forgive so many people because I'm not like so many people. <laughs> I'm with you, bro. I got that one. Come on, anybody got some folks in your world? I mean, you know, you, you're not wanting them to go to hell. You just don't want to hang out with them long. You know what I mean? But we got to forgive those who deeply hurt us. You see, forgiveness is not minimizing what they did. It's not saying it wasn't wrong. It's not instant restoration and going on vacation with them tomorrow. Forgiveness is taking everything off of your record. You're clean. Whatever happens with them and God's between them and God, but my spirit's clean so that I can walk in the freedom of God and I've now released them so that they now can experience the freedom of God in their life. Forgive those who deeply hurt you. Number two, and we'll go quicker. If you're going to let go, you need to start helping others who are experiencing the same struggle you're in. And Jesus teaches this on the cross. We go to the book of Luke chapter 23, verse 39, for one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what we deserve. Watch this. But this man has done nothing wrong. He, the criminal, then said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And what Jesus did was he taught us step number two in letting go is that you've got to learn, and you need to learn, and I need to learn how to minister to people that are going through the same conflict and struggle that I'm going through in my life. For Jesus was hanging on a cross in between two thieves. One of them reviled on him and said, if you're the son of God, save yourself and save us. But the other one acknowledged that he's the son of God. 
Whosoever will, let him call upon the name of the Lord, and he shall be saved. And this thief had no intention of going to heaven. He knew he, was belong, he belonged on that cross. He was guilty. But he looked over at Jesus and prayed a prayer without even knowing he was praying it. Because the opposite of remember is dismember. And what the thief literally said was this. Jesus, will you remember me? And the way Jesus interpreted it was, here's somebody in the same struggle that I'm in. And so what he's doing, Jesus said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remember your dismembered life. You called upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. You think you're just asking for me to remember you, but what I'm about to do is remember your dismembered self. I'm going to put you back together again right now on this cross, and I'm not just going to think about you, but today you're going to be with me in paradise, and we're going to spend eternity together forever. Come on, somebody. He never stopped ministering and doing what he was sent to do. And he still ministered in the darkest moments of his life. And listen today, if you want to let those things go that are haunting you and troubling you, you've got to learn to let it go. We've learned that through my grandson, Jabin, my four-year-old grandson's diagnosed terminally ill. He's in very, very serious condition. Those that go to this church know that. But he introduced us to the, the community that we're so reaching out to now with the Haven, the families with children with special needs. We would not be doing the Haven today had it not been for Jabin. God used him to open our eyes so that we could see the frustration, the pain, the heartache that comes to these families, not one day, but every day, not just every day, but all day of every day, what these families go through. And God challenged us to open up a ministry here at this church. And you, the body of this believing uh, church man, has embraced this thing like crazy. Between 150 and 175 of you showed up yesterday with more energy and life. We, man, we could have walked through hell with a squirt gun yesterday and won. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there was so much life and energy in here and families came. And can I tell you, I've seen every family that was the open house yesterday has been at church today, 100%. And what is it that God in our pain, because I'm going to tell you the pain isn't over. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I've walked out on my back porch more times than I can tell you, two in the morning, four in the morning, looking up at the heaven and going, I've given you 37 years of my life. And this is what I get back? This is my reward? So watch my grandson lay in a bed for years and die. This is what I get back for that? I've been there, my friend. But when I can come today and yesterday and embrace a mama and a daddy that's crying and going, I've been praying for five years, seven years, 10 years. We've heard it all. For God to just please give me a church where I can bring my family and my children can be safe and loved. And I found a house now. I found a family. Listen, when you learn to minister through your pain, you can let go of the anger and the jealousy and the hatred and the unforgiveness. I'm not going to lie to you. There's days I would look at Facebook and see your children out there fishing and running and playing and going, I'm sitting by the bed of a grandson and I can get jealous. Now, keep your children playing, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that's what families are going through every day. But when you learn that through my pain, all things are working together for the good, God's got a purpose. And I'm going to tell you something. My little grandson is ministering to more people without opening his mouth than many pastors will in a lifetime. 
And you've got to come and understand. Don't find a hole and climb in it. If you're going to let it go, number one, you've got to forgive those that have deeply hurt you. Number two, keep ministering in the midst of your struggle and minister to other people who are in the same struggle that you're in. Jesus taught us to. Number three, you got to take care of those closest to you. Take care of those closest to you. How many will admit to me today that oftentimes the people we neglect the most are the people we're the closest to? Man, I was guilty for so many years in my marriage ministry. I lived for ministry and had a beautiful, wonderful wife at home, and she cooked more meals that I didn't sit down to eat than I can tell you. But I had to learn. And oftentimes we forget. You see, if you're not careful in our difficult day, anybody besides me have those difficult days? Okay, the rest of you just did not wake up this morning, all right? You see, in those difficult days, you'll be nice to everyone until you get home. Man, then you unload. You unload all that poison and negativity and stuff on the person that had nothing to do with it. You see, we think that our spouse or our children and everybody in our household has the same opinion that we do. Wrong. You ever had those days? It usually happens on a Sunday. Anybody besides me, it's just like the devil loves Sunday morning at your house. It's like everything that's like lightning comes out and strikes everything, you know, or Saturday, you know, because I lock in on Saturdays and prayer and word and just getting ready. And man, all of a sudden, you know, you're in there in your house and you and your spouse, it's just like, rawr, 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 I'm just, rawr, 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 just like dogs in there, rawr, 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 all over each other. And then the phone rings. Hey, John, what's up, man? What's up? Yeah, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. I hadn't heard from you in a while, John. You're going to church. Awesome, man. Awesome. Man, I've been in worship and prayer all morning long at my house today. It, the presence of God is so powerful. It's going to be an awesome day. Yeah, Kathy, how's Kathy? She is amazing, man. She's the best gift God has ever given me. I couldn't live life without her. See you at 11, John. See you at 11. Oh, you know I'm preaching to the right church. And if you're going to let it go, now does that happen to anybody else's house besides mine? Okay, I feel better now. I feel better. I could make an altar call right now and get 50% of the church saved, couldn't I? But if you're going to let it go, you got to stop hurting the people closest to you. And you got to start healing them. Caring deeply about the people that God's put in your inner circle. In Luke, here's what Jesus did. Luke, excuse me, in John chapter 19. There was only one disciple that went to the cross with Jesus. The rest of them fled. It was John the Beloved. He's the only one, the brother of Jesus. While Jesus was on the cross, in the deepest part of agony and pain, he looked out in the crowd and he saw his brother and he saw his mother. And here's what he said. The third statement Jesus did on the cross he looked down and he spoke to his mother. And he says, mother, here is your son. Take care of my brother. And he looked at his brother and he said, John, take care of my mom. I'm leaving here. I'm not gonna be here. Take care of each other. And if you're gonna let it go, you gotta start taking care of those closest to you. Stop allowing the enemy to bring warfare in the midst 
of the inner circle of your life and the people that are closest to you. Number four, Jesus taught us, realize that there are some things that you and I will never understand. You know, we have all these religious cliches. There's a purpose for everything. No, there's not. Sin changed that. The penalty of sin changed that. There's some things that happen for no purpose. And if you spend the rest of your life trying to find a purpose for every offense and everything that you go through in life, you're going to live a miserable life. You've got to understand that you're not going to understand everything. So don't try. Don't we? We've asked it, haven't we all? Why? Why, God? This isn't fair. It isn't fair. No one else is going through this, just me. And boy, don't we think that when we're in the middle of it, like everybody else is God's favorite child but you. And everybody else is living high on the hog and blessed and favored, no worries and no problems. You're the only one in the world that's got one. We feel that way. I don't deserve this, God. God, if you're alive and you care anything about me at all, why aren't you responding to my cry? Enough already, God. You're not even listening to me. Have you stopped answering my prayer? Are you mad at me? God, do I not matter to you anymore? Come on, you know you and I have asked that, stated that. Why? You see, we've got to come and understand today that all things are working together. I don't understand my grandson. I don't understand the situation. It makes no logical sense to me. I watched my father die of a brain disease. I stood by my brother's bed for two years and watched him go down to 68 pounds and die of a brain disease. I stood by my son's bed for 12 months to keep him alive from a motorcycle accident. And now I'm sitting by the bed of my grandson for two years and suctioning his mouth every day practically to keep him from choking to death. Night after night, our family has to be by his bed 24 hours a day to keep him alive, and I don't understand that. But if I can wake up today and go, I don't have to understand it to know that God is good, and God is faithful, and God is righteous, and God is pure, and though I don't understand him, I trust him, and though I don't get it, I believe in him, and I know that he didn't cause it, but he will use it and work it out for good, and today, there is special needs ministry going in churches all across our nation because they're calling us here and they're reading Jabin's story on Facebook. They're sending their staffs here to walk through our haven and ministry is happening now all across America because of a four-year-old little boy that God put his finger on and said, I've got a task for you. It's different than the norm, but you're gonna reach people that would not have been reached God has this. He's got you. You just got to let it go and quit trying to understand it. Let it go. Quit trying to figure it out. If I try to figure all this out, how, how, did, how did he do that? Here's what Jesus said on the cross. Statement number four is in Matthew 27. He said, my God, he's on the cross. The fifth thing to come out of his mouth, my God, or excuse me, the fourth thing to come out of his mouth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't understand this. I thought you could have called the bands of angels to come rescue me. I finished because he's already finished the course. He's already done what he could do. The father had all ability to send bands of angels and rescue him and get him off of that cross. But you know what the father did? 
When Jesus bore our sins in his body, he became what he feared the most, sin, like us. He was no longer pure. He was dirty. And the moment he cried out to his father, the Bible says that God in heaven could no longer look at his son, and he pulled the shade of heaven and turned his back on his son. He could not look upon him as he became sin for us. And the very moment that the son needed him the most, he felt forsaken by him. He didn't understand it. But he didn't climb down off the cross because he trusted the wisdom of his father. And can I tell you today, and I know some of your stories, man, you've been through stuff that the average person outside of God, you wouldn't be alive today. Your stories are that bad. Mine's bad. We've all had some stuff. In our, we've got chapters in our book that we wish to God didn't have to be there. But they're there, but they make up the part of our story that's going to help change other people's lives. Because God took what was bad, and he's making good out of it. And if you're going to let go of things in your life, you got to let go of the things that you don't understand and trust God in them. Number five, let me go quick. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. We got these super spiritual people out here today that make everything spiritual. You know, there's a demon behind every bush and got to get a word. And let me tell you something. You're a human being in a human body that has been impacted by a sin-filled world. And we have a God in heaven that we know is watching over us and holds us in the palm of our hand. But let me just remind you today, you're still flesh. And there's things because of my limitations of being human that I need some other people to help me with. And Jesus acknowledged that on the cross. In John 19, he says later, he's on the cross, later knowing that all was now completed. He's done everything he needed to do. And so what the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. What Jesus said there was, I have a need. I'm the Son of God. I'm perfect God, but I'm also perfect man. And right now, I have a need in my life that I can't meet myself. I need somebody else to help me. And listen to me, Dan. Look at your pastor. If Jesus needed a brother, so do you. That's why we preach so hard in this church. Number one, we want you to know God, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two is we want you in small groups. We want to help you find freedom, help you find deliverance in your life, healing in your life. And that happens through small groups, and we're getting ready to kick them off in our next semester. And everybody watch me for a second. We got marriage small groups. We got one of the greatest lessons, 13 weeks, for married couples. And every, I encourage Kathy and I went through it. I encourage every one of you to go into that small group. If you're married, it will change your marriage and change your life. I promise you it's that powerful. We've got freedom small groups, dealing with dependencies and how to be set free. We've got prayer small groups. We, we've got all type of small groups that we're getting ready to start. Men, women, teens. There's small groups for everything. We got fun small groups. Bowling and shooting guns and blowing things up. I mean, we, we got it all. You know, if you want to do it, we've got a small group. But you're never, you only need Jesus to be saved, but you need other people in your life to be free. That's better preaching than the amens right there. Jesus told us in Scripture, confess your faults one to another. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. 
There's power in relationships that I can become accountable to someone that I can trust, and there I can find the freedom that's in my life. Get in small groups this semester and build relationships because you're a human being just like Jesus was, and Jesus said, I need some help, and there's times in our lives that we need it too, and you will never let go of some things by yourself. Everybody listen to me. There's some things you can let go by yourself. But there's some things that become demonic, they become strongholds in your life that you can't break by yourself. You've got to have a prayer partner. You've got to have a believer near you and next to you that's going to help you win this battle. If you're going to let it go, Jesus taught us, quit acting like you're superhuman spiritually and realize you're a human being and you need other people in your life. Number six. Y'all with me? Be assured that there is a purpose and an end. Be assured that there is a purpose and an end. You see, God doesn't create our difficulties, but he does use them to bring much good in and through our lives. When in your dark days, life seems like an eternity, doesn't it? I mean, when you're going through that storm, one day seems like three days. It's like this isn't going away. It's not getting better. But you got to realize that God has a purpose and he has an end. When you're in your dark day of life, God wants to come and let you know there, there's a song that, that we sang growing up that there'll be no sorrow there, no burdens to bear. That, that what a day, what a day that's going to be. That Jesus is telling us that, that you feel like this is eternity right now because I'm in a dark time. I'm in a battle. I'm in a conflict. But God put it like this. He said our life on this earth is but a, a breath compared to eternity. God's saying I've got purpose and I've got an end to your situation. If you'll trust me. If you'll trust me. And what Jesus did was on the cross. He looked up to the Father in John 19.30. He said it is finished. It is finished. I've asked you like four times. Everybody look at me for a second. How many's had some tears going on? How many's been in some struggles? How many's had some stuff just hanging on you, man? I mean, just like it ain't letting go. You wake up with it. You can't even get out of bed without it being a struggle. You feel like God's abandoned you. Weeping may endure for the night. Get, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Weeping may endure for a night. Singular. Weeping may endure for a night. Didn't say nights. Weeping may endure for a night. But if you make the right choice, joy is going to come in your morning. That if you realize that this isn't lifetime, this isn't lifelong, that this isn't my life, this isn't what I've been called to walk out forever, this isn't what my life's supposed to be like. Attacks have come, problems have come, situations have come. I don't understand. I don't wish on anyone. I don't want. I don't get it. But he promised me weeping may endure for a night. I'm going to go through some stuff. He said, don't count it strange when these things come upon you. But understand, I've got you in the palm of my hand. And you may cry for a night, but if you make the right choice and realize there's an end coming to this time, there's an end coming to this conflict, there's an end. I'm working all things out for the good. That I'm going to be glorified in it in your life. Joy is going to come in your 
morning, Jesus said, happen. Then he tells us the last statement. He tells us to surrender your day to God and let it go. You would think that it is finished would have been the last words of Jesus, wouldn't you? But it wasn't. He said, there's one more thing that I need to tell my church, my body, my friends that are watching this. If they're going to let it go, you got to surrender your day to God and let it go. And here's how he did it in Luke 23. He said, it is finished first. And then in Luke 23, because you go to all the gospels and see the story. He said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I'm giving you my day. I'm giving you my week. I'm giving you my month. I'm giving you my life. I trust you with it. If you're going to let it go today, here's seven principles that Jesus gave us on the cross in the darkest moments of his life because he wanted to give us a pattern. I challenge you to stick this on your refrigerator and go back and revisit his story day after day after day until you get there and watch God bring freedom and liberty in your heart and in your life in Jesus' name. You receive God's word today? You receive it? Here's what I want to ask you to do. We, we had such a response in the first service and the last few services we've had here, man, it's been just altar time, unbelievable. And God, we're hearing so many testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. Our prayer team, we're not gonna get near as many of you as wanna have prayer today into our prayer room. Our prayer team is gonna be lined up against this wall as soon as Pastor Brad closes the service today. Please don't go until the service is closed. But as soon as the service is closed today, if something's been hanging on to you and you need to let it go, I wanna challenge you today, as soon as the service is dismissed, to head over to that wall and let our prayer team begin to pray with you. And we're gonna pray until every person that wants is gonna have individual prayer. I'm gonna greet our guests on the way out. And as soon as I'm done, I'm gonna join them over there with you. And we're gonna pray for every one of you that wants prayer. And when we leave here today, we're gonna leave here a free church in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen on that in the name of Jesus? Bow your heads with me if you will. Maybe you're in here today and you'll join the many this morning in our nine o'clock service that raised their hand and they said, Pastor, I, I need step one. I, I just need Jesus today. I'm like that thief on the cross. I know that he's real. I know he's the son of God. And I know also that I'm not where I need to be with him. And today I, I need step one. I need him to remember my dismembered life right now. I just need him to put some things back together. And I just want you to pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. And if that's you right now and you say, I need Jesus in my life today, Pastor, pray for me. Would you just raise your hand right where you sit? Because we want to pray for you today. We want to believe God. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. God bless you. Jesus loves you today. He loves you. We love you too. Maybe you're online on the web and the internet and you need to pray this prayer with us today. If you raise your hand or you did not, you need Jesus in your life today. Pray this prayer with me right now. We're going to join you so you don't feel alone. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I'm a new person. 
In Christ Jesus, my Lord, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap of praise to these that have prayed today.